Happy birthday to Crash. I did do it last time, George. <laughs> <laughs> it's just come back to me. I definitely did that last time. Well, fine. We've done it now. So. We've done it now. It's fine. Uh, it's back. It's two years of Crash. This is the two-year anniversary of Crash today. First mm-hmm. of September. Yeah. Can you believe that, George? Two years of Crash. It's, it's felt like three years. It honest. has felt like much longer. Mm-hmm. It's felt like we've been doing this all of our lives. <laughs> Since the day I was born, I've been doing crass. <laughs> that, that's just, just weren't. That's the punishment in the se- seventh circle of hell. Just crass you have to forever. do crass every day. Forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, that's right. Yes, two years. Here's a, another obligatory compilation of some yeah. Of the best come on, it's, it's a good laugh. No, I mean it's it, the, the thing is, it's not a real podcast. This is it. That's what bugs me. It's like, um, I don't know if you've heard of... Have you heard of Stars on 45, Paul? I've heard of it, yeah. It's Basically, it was like, in the 80s, this band who released medleys. And I just think it's not real music. It's music for cheapskates. It's like, I'm not buying seven songs. I'm going to buy one that's got all of them. I think this is really just a, a podcast for cheapskates. People who can't yeah. be arsed listening to a season's worth of material. Do you know, well, do you know well, who calls themselves cheapskates? <laughs> you know, just saying just yeah. saying yeah but it is i think this is a very cheap show podcast <laughs> shoehorned in but it's a very cheap show uh podcast i think it is it is it's paul gannon um <laughs> is <laughs> are you worried then that that people will listen new listeners will listen to these and then not bother with the rest of the the show. Yeah. They'll just listen to the best of and go, oh, well, that's that then. There's nothing else better. Well, I, I worry people will listen to this and then go into season three after this. Like, like that's an, like that's good enough, you know. <laughs> I I mean, I, I get what you mean. I mean, it's, God, imagine that. Someone listens to this. This is supposed to be our best of. Yeah. Christ. I know. I mean... Pff- so they're going to hear how how low the bar is set by the words "best of" when they hear this, and they're not going to listen to the rest of it. Maybe that's a good thing. I think I think we should do the worst of. I just put out the worst bits, all the bits <laughs> where we're fighting, and all the bits where we say something stupid yeah. or ill-informed, or we just misspeak. Yeah, all those bits, just the bits that don't it. work. That's a good idea, listeners. Don't write in. No. Um, <laughs> so what's the <laughs> It's good, isn't it? Yeah. So we're gonna just just let's just go into the fucking clips, Jesus. Yeah. Well, I've, um, in the spirit of how I how lowly I see this, I've prepared a jingle. Oh, good. So, uh, so may I present to you Crass on Forty Five. Crash on 45, you're probably asking, dear God, why? It's all Paul's favourite bits, without the context, nothing fits. It is a load of ass, because it's grass, 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 grass. It's that time again. Uh, our brand new feature, well, kind of brand new, we did it last week. 
the Crass Channel. Very. not actually called the Crash Channel Ferry. It's about it's about TV. Look, it's not. Look, when you it doesn't told make sense. Me to make, when you told me to make the jingle, you didn't make that clear. It's fine. We can keep the jingle, but we don't have to keep adding the ferry bit. That's not the name of the feature. Right. Fine. Whatever. Whatever. Anyway, so as always, we agreed our uh, theme or whatever. What would you call it, George? Uh, topic the, theme. The, I would say the premise. The premise. The there we go. That's the a premise good, that's a of the show of this week. It. Because of course, all of the controversy surrounding uh, Ant McPart. Yes. And his drink driving um, means that poor old Declan Donnelly is on his own. Yeah. So the challenge this time was to create a vehicle for Declan Donnelly, a new show. We're giving him. We're doing a bit of a service for him, really. Yeah. Let's not let the drunken mad behaviour of Ant McPartland ruin the career of Declan Donnelly. That's exactly. what we're doing. We're trying to, you know, come up with ways in which he can continue, reinvent himself, perhaps. Exactly. And he can, as... have, these. He can have these for free. Yeah. I mean, well, not for free. He's probably going to have to... I mean, he owes yeah, us no, something. No, I'm going to charge you know? if he wants to do yeah, my idea. obviously. But, you know, that's yeah. fine. He's, he's got a lot of money. Right, so, um, as usual, George, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Brilliant. So, when I came up with my idea, I sort of became very aware of my approach to the Crash Channel yeah. ferry, um, which is to use puns as a starting point and build a sort of concept for a show around that. Is that what you did with um, Now You're Tolkien? Now You're Tolkien. Yeah, Now You're Tolkien. Yeah. So, um, with deck, of course, deck is very it's a very versatile word. Definitely. So some of the ideas I've I've got that were rejected, I'll just briefly run through. Okay, some of them. Can't wait. We had deck of cards. Where yeah. Declan Donnelly works as a croupier in a casino. <laughs> yeah. There was cassette deck, where Declan Donnelly works <laughs> in a record shop in the eighties. Brilliant. There was cassette observation deck. deck <laughs> yeah. Where Declan Donnelly either a tries his hand as an observational stand-up comedian. <laughs> yeah. Or b. Works at the top of Blackpool Tower. Don't know what else happens, but... Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay I like both of those yeah. concepts. And um, the, the final idea I had that was rejected was deck chairs, where Declan Donnelly <laughs> runs a furniture factory. <laughs> Good. I mean, those, those would have all been winning uh, entries, I well, think. Like, like I said, yeah, I think all of those titles slash ideas... Uh, yeah, that... potential. And uh, honestly, if ITV are interested in developing any of those as shows, get in touch. For a bit of cash. I'll, I'll do it. Obviously. Yeah, let's talk. But <laughs> my thinking really here is that Deck needs to reinvent himself as a campy yes. uh, sitcom character actor in the same way that John Inman did. Do you yes. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, with that in mind. I present you with. I've always, I've always, I've always, hang on, I've always, I've always thought that Declan Donaghy was the new John Inman. <laughs> I've always, I'm I've glad always thought you it. agree. You agree with me, right? <laughs> so, with that in mind, I present to you all hands on deck. <laughs> right. Oh my god. 
You ready for this? <laughs> good title. Yeah, I'm it's ready. A good title. Declan Donnelly stars in a nautical themed sitcom in the style of Up Pompeii. <laughs> he plays the part of Rear Admiral Declan Donnelly on board the HMS Blowfish. Paddy McGuinness plays Petty Officer Roger Goodbonk, a Jack the Lad who goes on the pull whenever they get shore leave. Oh, God. And David Walliams guest stars as Admiral Dick Seaspray, an officious, if not incompetent, superior. Oh, I see brilliant. you like it already. I'm, I'm sold already. I love how you're being served. There are lots of jokes about seamen, and most of the action Naturally. takes place on the deck of the HMS Blowfish. It's an anachronistic <laughs> depiction of the Navy, but it's not a period piece. <laughs> So it's basically... Do you remember um, Morecambe and Wise when all the newsreaders dressed up as sailors? Uh, I've, you I've told you before, I've never actually seen any Morecambe and Wise. Oh, yeah, it's one of my uh, comedy weaknesses. Well, right, yeah, fine, whatever. Anyway, they all dressed up as sort of sailors from the 30s. Right. Even though it was I in the mid-80s yeah. or mid-70s. So it's like yeah. that, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, you sort of oldie world the uh, view of sailors, basically, in the Navy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, brilliant. you know, Deck's character... This is the next development. Deck's character is also trying to woo Vice Admiral Sally Cumming, played by Sheridan Smith. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Because it's ITV, so it's got to have Sheridan Smith in it. Uh, definitely, and, yeah. And, of yeah. course, the character of Deck one day dreams of being a big TV star. Nod and a wink to the audience. <laughs> of course, of course! That's inspired! <laughs> so, some of the storylines... I've come yeah. up with storylines. Brilliant. Include Admiral Dick Seaspray offering Deck a promotion, <laughs> only to withdraw it later because of some hijinks. <laughs> nice bit of detail there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Petty Officer Goodbunk gets the clap and then has to see the ship's <laughs> oh, doctor. <fucking> hell. <laughs> oh, God. Deck tries to ask Vice Admiral Cumming for a date, but then chickens out at the last minute. <laughs> that's kind of like a recurring joke that happens in nearly yeah, every Yeah, like a kind of... It reminds me a bit of, um, you know, uh, Not Going Out, Lee Max, cheeky Lee Max sitcom. How, yeah. like, every episode he tries to ask out that, that woman who's, like, a lot younger than him from The Office. Yeah, she's, she's his wife now in the show. Yeah, she, I caught of she's... Not Going Out last night by accident. And right. they're married of course, with kids obviously now. by accident. Right. What's the point, then? What's the point? I know, there's no, no point. Um, and finally, Admiral Dick <laughs> Seaspray. Let's talk about the better sitcom. Yeah, all hands on deck. Uh, <laughs> Admiral Seaspray faces a court martial yeah. for shagging Ooh. an able seaman. Fnar, fnar. <laughs> right? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> the show is to air on ITV Wednesday nights between the double bill of Emmerdale, and it's to be written <laughs> yeah. by myself and. Uh, Darren Litton, the guy who writes Benadol. <laughs> Perfect! Perfect! And it's a bit like Eyes Down, which was the forgotten Paul O'Grady bingo sitcom. Do you remember that? I have no memory of that whatsoever. No one remembers it. So, yeah, all hands on deck. Great. What that is a good George. That is a good pitch. Thank you very much. And if they, if they want to make it, I'll do it. I will co-write a Declan Donnelly seaman-based sitcom with the bloke who writes Benadorm if they offer me enough Brilliant. money. 
I have to, I have to reveal now, uh, listeners. Uh, George has been waiting to tell me this all week. <laughs> yeah, I can. Once uh, we decided on deck, the day, the day we decided on deck, he was already saying, "I've, I've got it. I've got it already. I can't wait to tell you." <laughs> when, when such inspiration just strikes, it's mm. a wonderful feeling. Exactly. It is. <laughs> right. So, I understand, though, that you took a little bit longer to I did. come to your idea to arrive I did. In fact, there. I mean, I only, I only managed to... I only, I only wrote mine down yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> but I think I'm pleased with it. It's, it's, it. it's very different to yours. Yeah. Um, in, I know in the week that I was told you I was thinking of casting Deck in a sort of Scandi drama, like The Bridge mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And I'd given it a tentative title... Uh, I'm going to really badly mispronounce this. Alehander till deck. Okay. Which roughly translates to all hands on deck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, kind dear. Of, kind of glad I didn't go with that one in the end. Are you fishing for the sort of rights to do a Scandi remake of my show already? <laughs> I mean, I could, but I did, I, have to, I did abandon that idea because I couldn't think of anything that would happen. <laughs> so I shelved it. I shelved that idea. So that sort of led me to uh, look at Deck's strengths. Mm. So I looked at things he's already done uh, and then things he might like to return to. Yeah. Uh, and then it kind of hit me. Biker Grove, The Return. <laughs> so inspired, kind of much like uh, Twin Peaks, The Return. You know how much I like, how much I like that. Yeah. Um, we go back to Biker Grove to catch up on the old faces of the Geordie Youth Club. Uh, but we're not for kids anymore. The show will have... It'll it'll have grown up with its audience, so it features sex, violence, drugs, and nudity from the waist upwards. I'm kind of aiming for a 9pm time slot, so I don't want to alienate too many people with fannies and cocks. Um, The show kicks off with Duncan, Deck obviously, uh, returning from Canada as the new owner of the long-abandoned Biker Grove Youth Club, which is now home to hundreds of crack-addicted squatters. He has also returned for the funeral of his blind mate, PJ, who fell down a well. Uh, he would have been in the series, obviously, and would have been played by Ant but... if he wasn't an alky now. <laughs> <laughs> at, the funeral, at the funeral, he catches up with Nicola, as played by Jill Halfpenny, her from EastEnders, mm. and they end up sleeping together. She reveals that most of the biker residents are members of an insane cult, and now live in a shanty town just outside the city, a bit like Jonestown. Duncan also meets Ben, as played by Andrew Hayden Smith, who has he has four acting credits: Biker Grove in 1999, <laughs> Doctor Who in 2006, Banana and Tofu, that Rusty Davis drama in 2015, yeah. and now he's just in Hollyoaks. Mm. His career is a fucking ghost town, and yet he's he's actually been in some kind of high-profile stuff. Why? He's really bad. He's so bad at acting. Why does he keep getting cast? He's awful. I, I don't anyway, know. I don't even show. know who he is. He'd be in it. Well, you know, obviously you're not as big a Biker Grove fan as me. No. But, uh, yeah, so Duncan, he kind of he meets Ben because he, he was a member of the original cast. It would feel wrong not to bring him back. Uh, he was a regular at Biker Grove after Duncan and PJ left for Canada. Uh, Duncan, Ben... Uh, so Duncan, Ben and Spuggy, which was actually the name of a character from Biker Grove, uh, resolve to bring the Biker Grove Youth Club into the 21st century and return the town to its former glory. So, yeah, that's my pitch. Biker Grove, the return. 
lots of kind of slightly weird antics going on, uh, but mixed in with the kind of teen uh, angst that the original Biker Grove had. And uh, so, so it's called. It's not called Ilhandran Deck anymore. It's Biker Grove. No, no, no. It's called Biker the Grove: Return. The Return. Okay. So, and it's like Twin Peaks, but with Biker Grove. It's like Twin Peaks, but Biker Grove. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're kind of similar, I think. They are similar in a lot of ways. They've got characters in it. It's named after a place. It's sort of the same. When I was researching this, George, because I had to try and do a bit of research to find out some sort of information about Biker Grove. Well, like Spoggy's uh, name. I came across the Biker Grove wiki. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is the worst... Which is the worst... I will say it's the worst wiki on the internet. Yeah. There's no information. It's absolutely... It's. It's, there's nothing there. There's a few characters. Uh, it's terrible. Mm. But there's a there's a show. There's a page for the actual show itself for the actual for Biker Grove within the Biker Grove wiki. Yeah. And this is the I'm going to read to you the only bit the only thing written on that page. Biker Grove Youth Club refers to the children's youth club which the show is centered around. Join a PJ who is now a cartoon person who plays the DJ in the series. And as a DJ, he travels a lot with Poppy Manning from Parents Are Aliens as she is his sister in the cartoon series. That's on the Biker Grove wiki. That should be being edited by, like, fans. I know, yeah. That's written by someone who's never heard of Biker Grove. I know, yeah, that's... It's insane. <laughs> Don't ever go there. No. So, Paul, last week, if you remember, we uh, spoke about Jeremy Vine and his I do remember, yes. absurd What Makes Us Human uh, <laughs> yeah. jingle. Well, the feature in itself sounds a bit absurd, but specifically mm. that ludicrous jingle, uh, which goes oh, something yeah. like this. I am not an animal! Man. Um, but last week, after playing that jingle, you suggested perhaps that I could um, attempt to, I did. to do my I, own I didn't. Work. To be honest, I didn't really think about the amount of work you'd have to do. It just sort of popped out. Like all things I say, I didn't, I didn't process it. I, didn't, I don't have a filter or anything, so I just said it without thinking about all the work you'd have to do to uh, make it. You didn't have to. Uh, you didn't have to make it. Well, um, I did. I uh, <laughs> spent a little bit of time. Oh, well, that's good. And... Uh, <laughs> I've come up with a jingle. I don't really know what the theme for this jingle is. Um, where the other one was, what makes us human. It's got no this feature one is, or anything. No, this one's sort of just a jingle that okay. summarises oh. a couple of events and important sort of speeches right. from the past sort of 60 to 70 years. Kay. So it doesn't really Brilliant. mean anything. But, <laughs> but there you go. So it's perfect for crafts. Yeah. Also, I was just, just before I play that, I was just diving through my uh, radio archives that I've mm -hmm. that I've accrued over the years and such a fucking nerd um, I have an interview with Brian Eno that Jeremy Vine did oh, from yes. about a year ago for a feature called What Makes Us Human and I've pressed oh. play and it's got that ridiculous jingle at the start of it <laughs> Brian Eno's been roped into this ludicrous Blimey. did you <laughs> include Brian Eno in any of of your jingle that you've made Brian Eno doesn't feature no unfortunately because oh. I have respect well, for him, probably. so I don't really want to sort of drag yeah. him into this sort of cacophony of nonsense yeah. which I've prepared. Well, I mean, let's let's not put it off any further. Let's play that jingle. Yeah. 
beaches. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. The ladies not fraternal. <laughs> Loves you, baby. You're beautiful. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Joan, for £4,000, the chase is on. <laughs> Change has come to America. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. You may trod me in the very dirt. But still, like dust, I'll rise. People have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. Three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown. Stephen, you're fired. <laughs> Brilliant. That is, George, that is a work of art. <laughs> <laughs> Any highlights? Imagine if Jeremy Vine. Imagine if Jeremy Vine had included an extract from the chase in this. <laughs> That's the bit that got me. <laughs> but brilliant! I love the whole thing. We've got. We can't think of some again. Although again, it's very long, <laughs> so I'm not sure how often we'll get to use it. You said um, you wanted long, overblown, overdramatic. Nonsense. And it, and it did not, and it did not disappoint. Well, I'm, I'm certainly. It's, it was worth my time putting that together. It, it absolutely <laughs> did not disappoint. It was honestly, it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we um, get on with a with a feature? Yeah. Well, um, obviously, normally I'd start with a question, George. Yeah. Uh, but. Since I'm staying in your house uh, mm. for this bank holiday weekend, I thought thought I'd better get you uh, some gifts uh, oh, as a sort of <laughs> as repayment. So uh, here you go, I've got this bag. Now I don't know whether to hand you gifts one by one, or just, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hand you the bag, and you can uh, you can take out what you like. God. <laughs> right. So it's uh, the the dog. By the way, he's quite interested in what's in the bag. Yeah, we're in the room with a dog. That's the, probably the sound you're hearing. Is it's it's paws. On the um, on the wooden floor. I'm going to treat this like a lucky dip. Okay, good idea. So first up, we have. Oh, <laughs> it's a can of Monster Energy Ultra. You like that, don't you, George? No. What do we know? <laughs> Come on. It feels nice. It feels weird, doesn't it? The can. It's got like a kind of weird sort of pattern yeah, on it. Sort of um, embossed effect going on. I thought we could try it. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, some people are impossible to please, and I'm one of them. Not having, not having that. Should I? Uh... You're not having it. You don't want to try a bit of it. Uh, no, of course I don't. We should though, really, shouldn't we? If we're on a podcast, we should open it up and try no. some. You you drink as much of it as you like. Is, are you, it's your present. Are you okay for me to it. try some? Just have it back. Oh, ungrateful, any listeners? Right. I'm not really not looking forward to this, George. I hate energy drink. <laughs> I feel like this is going to set me off on a really bad start. I'm going to feel queasy for the whole show. It might show. be the first one where you vomit. Smells all right. Do you have a sn- sniff of it? I'll sniff it, but I'm not. I'm it's not, not even going to try it, it, listeners. 
It smells alright. That right, smells it? exactly like flucloxacillin, which is <laughs> a, obviously a penicillin-based medicine. It's not awful. Um, it just tastes of sugar and kind of chemicals, really. Yeah. That's really disappointing. I thought that I'd blow my fucking socks off, but it's just kind of... <laughs> Once we get, like, to the back end of this podcast, you'll be sort of bouncing off the wall. It's walls. just vaguely unpleasant. Yeah. That's rubbish. Um, I'll put that over here, then. <laughs> Shall I uh, delve into... Next gift. The bag. It's like Christmas, this, isn't it? Well, it's a tin. <laughs> it's a tin of tulip pork luncheon meat, and the serving suggestion is it sort of draped over some brown bread with a bit of cress. Yeah, I think at the I think um, we should end the show trying that. No, I will. I, sh- I will. You eat. You can try everything. <laughs> We're not going to do that now because I think that genuinely might make me feel ill. Yeah, but uh, we'll do it at the end. Ingredients. Pork, 77%. Water, pork rind, starch, pork fat, salt, milk, protein. Stabiliser. Stabiliser. It's got a whole stabiliser in it. Preservative. Lovely. Lovely. Once opened, transfer contents to a suitable container. Keep refrigerated and consume. Are you going to read the whole fucking thing out? Right. No. Lovely, that is. Take something else out or do you want to examine the pork? I'm just, I was just looking at it, you know. So this yeah. is another drink. Apple and peach and strawberry drink. What's it called, though? Tim Bark. <laughs> or Time Bark? I don't know. It's Tim Bark! It's really big in Droitwich. Is it? <laughs> Apparently it's also big in Greece yeah. and Arabia. Yeah, should we try that as well? You must be up to for trying this. I'll Come try on. a bit of this shit. Just a bit of fruit. Juice. It's in a carton. It's in a kind of Ribena straws. Bad for the planet. Yeah, they are, but yeah. You lose marks for that one. So what? Oh, I'm being marked on my present buying. Well, you're making me pollute the dying planet, aren't you? Keep it. Make something out of it. Don't. What am I going to make out of that? It. That sort of sheath that <laughs> the, it came in. The plastic sheath. Put it in the. Um... Here's the foil. It's in a weird straw. Explain what the, the fuck's wrong with the straw. What's the deal with the straw? It's like it's got. It looks like. Um, have you seen the original War of the Worlds film? Yes. It's got like the hood on the on that. It looks like that. Yeah, it's sort of. It's all bent in it's and really it's got weird. holes in it, and that's freaking me out a little bit. Right, I'm gonna try some. It's not too bad. It's not as good as Snapple. Yeah. But... I'm just going to suck it straight out of the straw that... Ju- no, actually, that's a bit gross. <laughs> I think that's worse than the energy drink. <laughs> it's really sort of... Um, no, it's just... Mm. It's just really disappointing fruit juice, isn't Rubbish. it? It's like a sort of little red guy on the front. Doesn't he look happy, George? <sighs> he looks like a sort of <laughs> high school... Science book illustration of a red blood cell. He does. We'll have pictures of these on the Twitter. Yeah, because you'll all be desperate to see these gifts. <laughs> final um, one. Final one, okay. I can't remember what this one is. Why is this full of bleeding? I don't know, it's a weird bag. The dog is interested in this. <laughs> it's <laughs> from the folks at Evadel. We've got a Pavelek bar. Uh, you, you like them, don't you, George? Desarovi Advocat. Advocate. Advocate. 
dark chocolate bar with advocate flavour filling contains alcohol. Actually contains alcohol. God almighty, oh, I don't... We've got to try this one. Come on, George. Bloody advocate. Jeez. <laughs> um, yep, it's all, all of the information's in Polish. So I obviously oh, no. Let's try don't it. understand what it says. Um, but it is 2.4%. He's stalling. He's stalling, listeners. Alcohol. Of course I am. I don't want to eat advocate I chocolate. I want to have a bit of it. Come on. Right. This is exciting. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, look, it's got a funny sort of... Um... Stuff oozing out of it, like... Pops. Is this vaguely racist? No, it's fine, isn't it? You know. I'm sure they'd look at... Mom. Oh, no. Oh, I'm not got, eating this. It's, proper, like, it's like actually got like a liquid filling. It, it looks like oh, pops. just have a bite. Come on. I'm having a tiny bit. Um, <laughs> find a small bit. He's literally put nothing in his mouth. That is awful. Give it oh, a... oh. <laughs> oh. That's like the worst liqueur you could get. No, oh, it's not good, this is. <laughs> oh, I put quite a bit in my mouth. <laughs> uh, uh, well, thanks for those gifts. Really appreciate those. It's not right. Oh, God. <laughs> That's not great. It's not awful, though. No, it is. It's a bit Sorry. weird when you first have it. It is awful. It's not awful. It's just chocolate and it's a very weak advocate, to be honest. I don't want it on my uh, <laughs> table. So there we go. Uh, that's instead of a question this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. I would say one of the things that we do best on Crass is talk about obscure figures from British television. Yeah. Have you got anyone you'd like to talk about today, George? Well, there is this uh, one particular sort of no-mark celebrity that I find really fascinating, uh, of the name Peter Simon, of course. Oh. Who, um... Who's that, George? <laughs> <laughs> Peter Simon is a television presenter uh-huh. who... Pre- <laughs> Presents. I'm being the part of the listener here, like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Who's that? Who, who are they talking exactly. about? Exactly. Yeah. Who presents primarily on Ideal World, which is a shopping channel on Freeview yes. and Sky. I know it well. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, used to be a fixture of Bid TV. Yeah. Before that, he was actually one of uh, the sort of top children's TV presenters in the country. He was on CBBC. Presented shows like Double Dare, Run the Risk, Get Your Own Back. But I believe you wanted to talk about Peter Simon. Well, you played me uh, something uh, a long time ago. You introduced me to Peter Simon. Yeah. And one of the things you introduced me to was his novelty record, uh, Simon Says? Uh, Simple Simon. Simple Simon, it's called. Uh, And we've got a copy here. George, you bought bought this, didn't you? Yeah, it was £2. With postage included. <laughs> and it's worth it just for the cover art, I think. So the cover art is um, Peter Simon. Uh, you can Google what he looks like. Um, he's, he's kind of got... A, he's got very hairy hands, hasn't he? He's got quite... Looks like an ape man. Yeah, hairier than mine. He's got a very horrible sort of early 90s tie on. Um, and he's got both of his fingers in his ears. Yeah. Uh, with a kind of crazy, uh, wacky expression on his face. Um and awful sort of text around him. Basically, picture an early 90s uh, record um, made by a children's TV presenter, and you've pretty much... You've, pretty you've much got it. You've got it. Yeah. Well, there'll be a picture of it on the Twitter, obviously. And on the back... 
<laughs> now the back is excellent, I think. There's three pictures. Uh, the, the top and the bottom are just uh, shots of Peter Simon being a bit wacky. He's kind of got his he's got his head turned and he's got his his hands over his ears. There's a lot of um, hands over ears and covering your ears. Um, uh, there's a motif there. Yeah, it's almost there. like it's a warning <laughs> for the contents. Yeah, a little bit of the um, sleeve. And the bottom one, he's kind of doing a kind of slightly camp um, pointing something. pointing uh, sort of thing. <laughs> and then the middle. <laughs> The middle picture is Peter Simon standing between two um, black men with his thumbs up. <laughs> it's it's the worst thing you've ever I've ever seen. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think we should just go. We should just play this song. It's simply wild. Show. I hope you enjoyed that, listeners. Just a little extract of um, Simple, Simple Simon. Simon. Yeah. Um, I think that may be the worst piece of music ever recorded. <laughs> it's it's one of the worst recorded. It's, it's got to be up pieces. there at least. Yeah. That the Blobby song, um, Brown Eyed Girl, <laughs> controversial, <laughs> but um, it's yeah. truly terrible. Well, it's just a headache of a song, isn't it? Let's go through. What's terrible about it? It's badly produced. For what? It's full produced. of very stock um, sound effects, sound effects, and um, very commonly used, very noticeable loops and loops. It's... But not in an interesting way. No. Not in a good way. Not in a way that establishes these loops in their own context. Just in a oh well, that that's popular. That bit which goes yeah, we'll use yeah. that. And that bit like how often have we heard that yeah do 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 that like yeah. Every, it's so, it's, so. Oh god, it's terrible. It's truly terrible. Yeah. Also, my thing, the thing that I always notice about it is, it sounds like he's making it up on the spot. Come on, come on, in the show. Come on, in the baby do. Yeah, he, he doesn't just, know the words. He, know, <laughs> he sounds There's like a great, he's making it up as he goes along. There is a great clip of him on um, Bid TV being teased about that song <laughs> by another host. He's sort of going, what were the words? And Peter Simon's trying to remember the words, and he obviously fails. He probably he probably remembers them better when he's recalling them like 20 years later yeah. than he does when he's recalling the song <laughs> actually um, at the time. It's, it's a pretty funny clip, though. I'll find it. <laughs> What's the B-side? Um, it's an instrumental. Simple. <laughs> so it's just that song, but the instrumental. Well, I haven't listened to it, so you can find out if you want. Or uh, do, you, do you know what? I could, too I scared could... of the record player. I'm kind of, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we can imagine it. It's yeah. just that song without the terrible vocals. Yeah. Why? Why do you think he did it? Why do you think he did this? Money. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Sums it up, doesn't it? Oh, I don't know much about Peter Simon. Was he really? Was he? Was he genuinely popular? He was really 
it was a bigger deal than I thought he was. Yeah, because I came across him via Bid TV, late night browsing of Bid TV. So who would have been his contemporaries at the time then? Um, Dave Benson Phillips, mm. perhaps. Well, uh, well, Sarah Green. remembered. Which one was she? Uh, she did Going Live. He did Going Live as well, actually. Uh, that sort of era. Yeah. Kind of just a little bit before our time. OK. Philip, around the time of Philip Schofield or yeah, a bit after? Philip Schofield, um, before he was betrayed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, listeners, you might want to look into Peter Simon now. Maybe we could try and get him famous. Maybe. Maybe we could bring his career back. Cause he, yeah. can't, he can't be doing much these days. Well, he just does the shopping shows. Yeah, we yeah. could. Bring, I think we, you know, we could. We Lots could of... inject his career with a brand new. Do you know, like, would how you like to manage Peter Simon? Um, no, no. I bet he's a right. I bet he's a right shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know how, like Warwick Davis, he had, he was he had a shitty career, and then like Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant did that shitty sitcom for him, and it gave him a bit of a boost. We could do that for Peter Simon. Yeah. I thought you were going to then sort of launch into a tirade against Warwick Davis there. No, like, he's fine. He seems like a nice fella. OK, fair enough. But Peter Simon... I th- to be honest, I think Warwick Davis is probably a bit more talented than Peter Simon. That's well, the problem. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, Warwick Davis has been in Star Wars as a teddy bear. But, you know, that's <laughs> at least that's something. What's Peter Simon done? Huh. <laughs> Next bit. <laughs> Uh, so what I've done is I've um, brought my autobiography with me. Yeah. So I thought I'd read you a chapter from that. Paul Austin, Life Lessons from an Expert. Chapter 78, Three Men and a Baileys, plus one woman and another man. The first night I got drunk was a crazy, hazy summer evening in 2010. It was a mad time in my life. The coalition government signalled the end of life as we know it. Katie Price had chucked Peter Andre for Alex Reed, and that big volcano in Iceland fucked everything up. Myself and my pals Barry Adams, Jimmy Gibbon and Ryan, a group that would later come to be known as the Lonely Hearts Club, had left high school and adulthood beckoned. To celebrate our emergence from this metaphorical cocoon, we decided to have ourselves a party, which was a generous way of describing the process of getting munted on a hill. We'd finally had our real taste of alcohol at a Halloween party the previous year. For more details, see chapter 74, I dressed as a Batman. And had tried it again at our high school prom. For more details, see chapter 77, the second worst day of my life. Barry Adams in particular was extremely fond of drinking, an interest which has now become a hobby, no doubt inherited from his parents, both of whom are now dead. We've been planning it for weeks, which is surprising, considering the whole idea of the night was that we'd get a load of cheap cider, take it to a hill and drink it. Once we figured out where to get the booze from, the Lidl, and which hill we'd use, the one behind the Lidl, we pretty much had it covered. But honestly, it was all we talked about. How much do you think you'll drink? I'm going to mix all the ciders together. Can we get some Smirnoff ice too? Why are you a puff? Our outlook on political correctness was quite different to the socially conscious attitudes we hold today, except for Ryan, who remains a shit. The day came, the penultimate day of the week, unless you're one of those idiot morons who consider Sunday the beginning of a week. It was Saturday, and myself and the Lonely Hearts Club ventured to the Lidl. We were not alone, though, as Jimmy Gibbon had dragged along his half-sister Kelly Brookside. Everyone fancied Kelly Brookside. She had a lovely smile, a decent personality, and a nice pair of baps. 
If I was to describe her in Radio 1 DJ terms, she was like a cross between XT4, now the Good Place star, Jamila Jamil, and Fern Cotton, except 16 years old. <laughs> we attempted to buy the cheap cider ourselves, but were thwarted by a beardy dickhead who said we didn't look old enough, despite the fact that Barry Adams had his dad's nice jacket on. Kelly suggested we send in Fat Ron, a local homeless man who was happy to buy alcohol for children as long as they didn't drink it all at once and spoil their dinners. We gave him the cash, he brought the drinks. Unfortunately, he must have got mixed up in his homeless brain, and instead of buying four big bottles of Frosty Jacks, he bought one bottle of Baileys. This was a bit annoying, but he assured us it was just as good. We went with it and figured it was probably a more palatable way to get drunk. We deduced from the colour that Bailey's was a bit like Yazoo, but with booze in it. Shame we only had the one bottle, though. We bid Fat Ron thanks, gave him a chockey bar, and headed for the hill. When we arrived, Ryan revealed a surprise. He bought a tent along. In his mind, this would add an exciting air of camping fun to the whole night. Plus, it meant we wouldn't have to go home at nine. However, it actually turned out to be a massive pain, as instead of spending the last few hours of summer sun having a good time, we wrangled with a crappy tent that was missing six pegs and two poles. By the time it was up, thanks to two large sticks and a load of stones we'd nicked off a kid, everyone was well and truly fucked off. Barry Adams was pacing wildly, shouting at the top of his voice, and quite rightly, kicking Ryan in his leg. <laughs> Jimmy Gibbon had climbed a tree and was gently weeping into a leaf. Kelly Brookside just shook her head and sighed. It was up to me to save the day. I took the large bottle of Baileys out of my bag and held it aloft. Time to get this fucking party started, you pack of twats! I yelled. It went down an absolute storm. Fifteen minutes later, Barry Adams had pretty much polished off the whole bottle. Kelly Brookside had about half a glass, Jimmy Gibbon had a sip, and Ryan and myself didn't get to try any of it. I've never seen Ryan go so absolutely ballistic. You fucking shit! Get off me back, you fat bastard! <laughs> I've gone into the wrong accent there. <laughs> get off me back, you fat bastard! You look like if Michael McIntyre got stung by 60 bees! <laughs> Ryan kicked Barry Adams in his knee. Barry screamed, Ow, me fucking knee! <laughs> Barry swung a fist at Ryan, hitting him hard in the eye. Blood spurted all over Jimmy Gibbon's head. Stop fighting, you shit! <laughs> <laughs> he yelled, Kill him, Barry! Screamed, they've all got the same voice. <laughs> Kill him, Barry! Screamed Kelly Brookside. Ryan turned. I've never seen him so angry. His big ugly head was the colour of the Communist Manifesto. He shoved Kelly Brookside to the ground. Ha! Ah, take that, you bloody woman! My heart skipped, skipped, skipped to beat. <laughs> <laughs> it, was if it was as if time had stopped, like in Bernard's watch. <laughs> in that moment, we all knew that we were through the looking glass. Now it was Kelly Brookside's face's turn to go bright red. She climbed slowly to her feet, shaking with pure, unbridled rage. She looked down at her hands. They were covered in mud. She wiped them on her ass. I got a brasser. <laughs> Ryan stammered a feeble apology. Um, sorry, Kelly Brookside. She shoved two fingers down his throat. He screamed, then vomited all over her hand and arm. The sight and smell of Ryan's sick triggered Kelly Brookside's gag reflex, and she threw up all over Ryan's already balding bonts. I took this opportunity to leap on, leap on Barry Adams. I was still really pissed off that he'd polished off the Baileys before I could have any. I hung from his neck, and the shock must have opened his throat valve. I'm not a doctor. Because the Baileys erupted from his mouth in a huge arc and landed on Jimmy Gibbon's face. Some went in his mouth. Jimmy Gibbon fell backwards, and as he fell, he vomited, like an escaped garden hose. 
He collided with the tent, tearing it to the ground, covering it in bright green sick. I vomited as well. Stop this! A booming voice rang out. We all stopped, except Barry, who was still pretty full of Baileys. He bent over and released it as quietly as possible, while Fat Ron spoke. This is truly a terrible sight. Go home! You did not heed my warning. He was right. Our dinner was ruined by sick. When I got home, I nicked a bottle of gin from my mum's bedside cabinet. She was in the bathroom giving herself a Brazilian and drank it alone in my room. I then tried to have a wank, but I fell asleep halfway through. Thus concludes that chapter of my autobiography. Uh, last night, I went oh. to the Royal Exchange Theatre to oh. see... Samuel Beckett's Happy Days, starring Maxine Peake. Ooh, flipping heck, George, you're cultured. I am very cultured. <laughs> That's Sam Beckett, the playwright, not Sam Beckett, the main character out of Quantum Leap. Is it good? It was brilliant, yeah, and Great. she is just easily one of the finest actors. That Was it as good as The Wedding Crashes? <laughs> Can I just... Cause if, I want to see if I'd enjoy it. I would say it was about a million times better than The Wedding Crash. Well, I'll definitely, I'll definitely have to go and see it then, George. <laughs> Sounds like the best thing ever made. But um, <laughs> the evening wasn't without incident. And oh, OK. It's kind of my fault. And right. oh. I'm quite embarrassed. I wasn't. I was debating whether or not to talk about this. But we need. We, re we desperately need desperate. some content. Yeah. And it's possible it will lift things. Who knows? Good, good, good. So, during the interval... I was alone when I went to see this. I went on my own. Okay. And during the interval, I didn't really have anything to do for 15 minutes, so I just sort of no. had a bit of a walk round. And, nice. Um, I noticed by one of the entrances, they had this... What I think was a sort of a fire escape device for people right. in wheelchairs. Oh, Okay. And it had this really quite smart-looking logo on the front. Yeah. And, you know, I had an interest in graphic design years ago, and I'd sort of... I, I yeah. spot, if I spot things like that, logos that look really good, I, yeah. I'm a bit tragic. I kind of want a record of it. So I okay. I tried to take a Fair picture enough. of it on my phone. Yeah. Um, Strange. But the lighting was off or something, and I couldn't quite get it. So I, nice. I just left yeah, yeah. it and carried okay. on having a bit of a walk around. And then just as I'm about to go in back after the interval, someone comes up to me, a member of staff, oh, God. and says, yeah. um, another member of staff has just told me that you were trying to take photographs of the fire exit. <laughs> Could you explain why, please? <laughs> now, it's a very sensitive time in the world. Yeah. And, you know, and Manchester especially. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I genuinely, when I explained, I was just, it was the I just looked like a psycho. And I was saying, no, no, it's the logo. I like the logo for the... And the logo was like someone in a wheelchair being pushed down some stairs or something. So I sounded insane. pushed down some stairs? What kind of fucking logo is well, that? Like a ramp thing. It was like a ramp. It was like oh, a, right. It was kind of like a sled for wheelchairs. Oh, right. You didn't word that. You didn't word that very well. You well, said no, push down the stairs. Yeah, because when the bloke came over and started asking me questions i started panicking and that's how right, i answered okay. it i didn't say okay i didn't explain it properly to him i just sounded mad so <laughs> so i was sort of accused yeah. of not accused of but there was the implication that i might be a terrorist and then go back and enjoy the second <laughs> i mean you don't look like a terrorist no but 
But you've got to admit, walking around the theatre several times in a circle and then That's taking a picture of a fire exit, it is suspicious, isn't it? I suppose so, yeah. You, did you say, like, oh, well, I'm a graphic design student and... Um... No, I, no, I made it worse. I tried to tell the truth. That was the... <laughs> yeah, I didn't even say, I'm a graphic design student. I sort of said, oh, well, I've been interested in graphic design for you. I tried to explain it. Longhand. <laughs> I tried to explain it longhand. And he just went really bad. I mean, he walked off and oh. I sort of said, sorry, but there were people looking at me then. Oh, like, no. Oh, oh, I don't George. want to sit next to him. Sort of thing. I want to sit next to the terrorists. I know. I oh, can't no, go in there George. again. I'd, I, of course you can. I want to see it again. I want to see it again without that on my mind during the second act. Because <laughs> I, I was able to push it to the back of my mind for the most part. Yeah, yeah. But I, I still, I could sense I was probably thinking about it a bit. Sometimes your eyes glazed over and you just... Once, right, I went. I had a similar sort of theatre experience that I didn't quite... I went to see... Um, a Daniel Kitson play, the name of which I've now completely forgotten. Right. I think it was um, something like Mouse, mm. I think it was called, or sort of play about a mouse, I can't remember. It was very good. But my shoes were too tightly laced for the whole performance. <laughs> and there's no interval or anything, because, you know, it's it's not that sort of play. Yeah. Um, I just, for the whole time I was watching, I just thought, my feet are it's too, my laces are too tight. I feel, I just want to take my shoes off. God, when's it going to end? <laughs> so I've had a similar experience. And if, it, if you're only in the cinema, you can just, you know, you can just do whatever you want, take your shoes off, yeah. you know, take your trousers off, do whatever, it doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> but in the, in the theatre, you know, you've got to be, you've got, you've got to try and seem at least a little bit civilised. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a similar experience. Never, that's, I'm never, never go to the theatre. That's the... Uh, it's the lesson there. The moral. Always have fun well, no, at don't... gigs. Never go to the theatre. Allez hop, shit, chatos, avec microphone. Podcast comme le vendredi, passe de vos et passe de talent. C'est une énorme pète de temps. Ça plein pour crasse. Ça plein pour crasse. Have we got any emails today, George? For a change, I'm pleased to report we have got an email. Hey. We've got some correspondence. Now, first thing I should probably say is mm -hmm. that this email is signed off sort of anonymously. Oh, right. However, um, <laughs> it, <laughs> it's from an email address which has a name in it. Oh, right, okay. Not only that, but because it's Google Mail... It's come up with a full name for the person as well. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll read, I'll read the email and yep. I'll leave it up to you, Paul, if you want me to name and shame. But here goes. Dear George and the other one, I've been listening to your podcast recently as I walk to or bus to or from wherever I need to go. Right. I have a few questions. Okay. I mean, yeah. okay, first of all, let me stop you there for a minute, George. I'm already annoyed that they've... I mean, obviously, they're joking when they put George in the other one. Obviously, that's a funny joke. Yeah. But, it, you know, it doesn't make me, it doesn't make me laugh. No. Because it makes me feel like I've been forgotten. <laughs> carry on. So, carry on. So, here are a few Yeah, questions. I mean, actually, I'm, we're always happy to answer questions. Yeah. So, thanks for emailing anonymous guy who George knows the full name of. Yeah. So, question one. Why, George, do you put up with Paul's shit? He oh, just seems to... 
I mean, this is bullshit, isn't it, this? He just seems very aggravating to deal with, and I'm sorry that in your job as his carer, you're forced to deal um, with him so often. Unbelievable. You... As his carer? <laughs> yes. we, live at, we live at different ends of the country. I don't spend all my time with George. I'm, I'm mostly just sitting around eating cheese. Mm. <laughs> and, and two, <laughs> yeah. is the only way to get on the show to send an abusive email? If so, no, it's not. If so, fuck you, fuckers, and your mm. fucking fuck shit. <laughs> Is he talking to both Thanks of so... us there? Yeah. Right, okay. Thanks so much for your time and your wonderful voice. Brackets, voices if you feel you have to throw Paul a bone. Sign. <sighs> oh my god, person. unbelievable. Now, I have the power here to reveal who this is. Do you know what, George, actually? Don't, don't name him. I don't want his name. I do not. Because he, he wants... That's, I think he wants us to name him. He wants yeah. us to put his name out. Get a bit of, you know, get a bit of coverage on the crass podcast. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that. He clearly wants You're not getting attention. any coverage, mate. I tell you what, write in a nice email. Write an email saying how nice I am and how nice my voice is and then we'll say your name. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> I'm really angry. I feel sorry, Joe. I feel really angry today. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, George. That email has really set me off on the wrong foot I'm today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It doesn't matter. I'll try and I'll try and forget it. So, George. Um, yes. I'm sort of afraid to ask this after last week, mm. but um, have we had any correspondence? We have had another email. Okay. I did actually say I did ask them uh, to write a nice email. Yeah. Uh, if you remember, on the podcast I said, you know, write in a nice email that says I'm great. So I'm hoping that they've done that. Well, I can tell you now that it very much depends on which one of us you are, whether or not this oh, is a nice okay. email hmm. or a not-so-nice email. Okay. Much the same as last week. Yeah. But maybe this week they've insulted you. Well, let's, let's find out. This is from okay. the same person. Who we're keeping yep. anonymous, anonymous deliberately. Yeah, for now. For now. <laughs> Dear Crass Podcast, loving the mm-hmm. show and all the segments. Brilliant. Especially okay. all. No, oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying I'm, 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 I'm pleased that they like in the show. Okay, this is already more positive. So yeah, loving the show and all the segments, especially all the time and effort that George is putting in. <sighs> You're fucking joking. <laughs> Clearly he wants to be on the show and is stellar at it, whereas the other <laughs> feckless idiot contributes nothing. Oh, okay, right, okay. <sighs> he continues, His ceaseless drivel baffles me and leaves me confused as to why his salt aren't given the death penalty or this shipped is... off to somewhere awful like Somalia or James Franco's house. Right. Okay, well, um, I mean... Fuck this guy. Fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. Wait, well, I'll find. I will. I'll, do you know what then? I will kill myself. Put my head in an oven, and that'll be your fault. See how you like living with that, Dick. George, your jingles, insight, and beautiful voice make my day a little brighter. Please drop Paul so we can beautiful all be happy. Beautiful voice. Yeah, I was confused by that as well. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to insult yeah. you, George, but come on. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe see if Nicholas Lindhurst will be on the show. Specifically oh, to upset what? that complete guy, Paul. I don't understand what that means. 
by the way. <laughs> he's probably, I don't know, he's probably an idiot who can't write English. He's probably, he's probably, I don't know, he's just, he probably can't, it's too, it's just, I can't even, I'm too angry now. He's, oh, he's, I'm too furious. I can't even hit back at the guy. Oh, I, he's invaded my, I used to enjoy doing this podcast. And now this idiot has, has entered it and ruined it for me. Thank you for your time. George's biggest fan. George's biggest fan. Yeah. Great. Brilliant. I'm not happy with you, uh, anonymous listener. I'm not happy with you. <laughs> I'm well, really not. You're... This is getting beyond the pale now. If you dare email again, <laughs> I will. I will have. I will find you. I will ask George what your name is. Okay, and I will find you. Yeah, because I I've been keeping these emails away from Paul um, to get his genuine yeah. reaction. This is the first time he's heard that, and he doesn't know who they're from. I do. And uh, yeah, a bit more power he's holding over me. But he I does mean, have the yeah. login, so he can he can find out is the thing. I could find out. Yeah, but I just I really can't be bothered, listeners. Right. Well, uh, keep your correspondence coming in, and uh, no, the email no, don't is... don't keep writing in. If you no, write no, in again, no, no don't just write in, in again. Just in general, just to the <sighs> listeners, not not just this guy. Sorry. Yeah. Fine. Listeners, keep your correspondence coming in. The email address. Is crasspodcast at gmail.com. That's not an invitation for you, mystery listener, okay? That is not another invitation. Do not write in again. Just email in. I'm not, I mean it, I mean it. I will find out who you are. And I'll be, I don't know what I'll do after that, to be honest. No. But I'll be really cross. Yeah. Great, another show, another show that's been brought down by this Egypt. <laughs> Do you know what? Other, right, every, listener, every listener other than this guy, I bet they're all annoyed as well because, you know, he's this one listener selfishly is bringing, bringing the show down, making it all about them. I'm sorry. I'm gonna, do you know what? I'm going to try and move past it and be, and, be, yeah, and be positive for the other listeners, the good listeners. Right, well, let's, let's move on. The ones who don't like you, George. Let's move on. So, George, it's uh, now time for you to tell me what you've been watching this week. Tell me what you've been watching this week. You tell them you saw it on the, um, the telly. So, this week I've, I've mainly been concentrating on the bits between the programmes. Oh, the adverts. the adverts. Yeah. I mean, other than uh, Dinner Ladies, I can't really think of anything that I've been watching other than the adverts. And yeah. uh, one grabbed my attention. I'm tempted just to play it to you in full. And then uh-huh. we'll talk about it afterwards. Good afternoon. What a wonderful day with Knoppers. Crispy baked wafers, a front of hazelnut spread with smells of roasted hazelnuts, followed by a wave of tasty milk cream, all finished off with a light touch of cocoa. Knoppers. <laughs> it's cheering up nicely. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best adverts I've ever seen. It's great, isn't it? It's a commercial for Knoppers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Knoppers uh, hazelnut chocolate wafers. Um, mm, now, lovely. So I, I assume they're kind of like, um, what are those Kinder thing? Kinder Buenos. Yeah, kind of. They're kind of like that um, uh-huh. wafery. And well, they chocolatey, are yeah. But um, first thing I want to I want to mention is it's not Knoppers with a silent K. It's Knoppers. 
Yeah, they explicitly say Knoppers yeah. in the advert. What a wonderful day with Knoppers. What a wonderful day with Knoppers. Yeah. <laughs> which which doesn't yeah, sound really... like he's advertising wafers. It sounds like a medical <laughs> complaint. <laughs> it does sound... It does... Imagine you've had a really shit day. You've been at work. Um, the boss has been on your back all day. You've had some. been dealing with really shitty customers. And they're not even your customers. They're like, the... they're like some guy who's off on holiday in the Bahamas. Mm. You come back home and your wife... Your wife's left, and you open the cupboard, and there's no food left except for one solitary knopper. <laughs> you have that. Hey, day saved. It's cheering up nicely. It's cheering up nicely. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. That's one of the most out of context. It's cheering up nicely. Slogans. It's cheering well, up I nicely. Presume, I'm kind of. I, I suppose that's kind of related to the whole weatherman angle. Yeah. Of... He's sort of, of talking the about this chocolate wafer as if it's a weather report, which is weird. What's that got to do with anything? Now, another interesting thing about that Knoppers commercial. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, the official name of the commercial, which is right. Good Prospects. <laughs> Bit odd, isn't it? I don't... Nothing here adds up, really. I just can you imagine in the board meeting where they came up with that advert? So imagine, like I'm imagining it a bit like Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like a kind of like a Don Drake. They're all tossing around ideas. Yeah. Oh, we could have it in like a factory, like Willy Wonka, and they come out on a conveyor belt, and uh, and, and then like there's one Don Draper like character who just turns around and says, "What do people like about chocolate?" And then there's people chipping in, or oh, they like the way it tastes, or they like, you know, the kind of the way it makes them feel. Um, and the Don Draper kind of character goes, they like it uh, when it's sunny. <laughs> people like it when it's when it's sunny outside. They like to associate chocolate with weather. And they all go, oh, brilliant. We'll make it like a weather report. Brilliant, Don. And then they give him a big bottle of whiskey <laughs> and a packet of luckies. just and then he just yeah he's completely pissed at this point <laughs> this, this Don Draper like character just, just have a fucking weather report weather boys chocolate exactly. boys weather and chocolate is the same thing I love a sort of uh, modern sort of British equivalent of Mad Men but like set in Milton Keynes that'd be great <laughs> actually presumably Knoppers isn't is not British. I, no, I, I don't know where it's from, but I just assume it was vaguely European. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you'd you'd, you'd call a chocolate bar a Knopper bar if <laughs> if you were British. No. It must be a sort of weird, a, a, a sort of strange translation. Yeah. The other thing about this commercial as well is when I found it on YouTube, mm. it was uh, not uploaded by the official Knoppers YouTube channel, but it was <laughs> no. uploaded sort of as a showreel clip on the oh, okay. channel of the actor who plays the mother of the two children <laughs> in the commercial. Oh, OK. <laughs> I was in this Knoppers commercial. And comments were disabled. Uh, well, quite rightly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Knoppers. We should come up with our own crass-related chocolate bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What would be in the crass chocolate bar? <laughs> Just, like, loads of shit. Just, just full of shit, isn't it? You take a bite and it's just dust. horrible, sludgy shite. Full of dust and spider's eggs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'd be the crash chocolate bar. Knoppers! <laughs> <laughs> it 
it's a bit of a, a crass check and balance, really, this, as we introduce a brand new right. feature called Crass Correction. Oh, I can sort of guess where this is going. There was a mistake on the Crass Podcast, so we're now trying to make up for it here. Sorry! There was a mistake on the Crass Podcast, and we're going to have to apologise. It was probably Paul's fault, but that does not mean that I should be seen as infallible. Now the music's gonna do the razzle for bit as we plan to make our Crass Correction. So, last week, Paul, during your yes. Guess What I'm Eating When I Go yeah. feature, uh, you made two glaring errors. Oh, shit. One, you said that yeah. Pringles were a crisp. They're not. They They're are a savoury crisp, snack. Though. They're a savoury snack. They're a crisp. Snack. It's been to court well, they made this. They're a crisp. It's been to court this, and they're yeah, but they not didn't, a crisp. Yeah, but, what, were they successful? No, they were unsuccessful. They're not no, a crisp. No, so it's a crisp, then! It's not a crisp. They were arguing they were a crisp. Right, oh, right. Lost. A crisp... They're not a crisp! Or a potato chip is defined as a slice right. of potato, whereas Pringles okay. are made up from sort of dehydrated potato bits. Okay. So right. they have to legally be labelled as a savoury snack, which right. is why they never call them crisps in well, the Well, how, how the fuck would I know that? I don't know. Well, it's know on what... the back of the... If you get a pipe of Pringles, it right. says savoury <sighs> snack. It doesn't say that is one of my, just be, let's, I'm going to be honest here, George. That is one of my least egregious errors I've made on the podcast. Well, I've made much worse errors than that. Yeah, but that's the one... <laughs> that I'm... one's understandable. Yeah, well, they're not a crisp, though. You know, we don't okay, want to get in trouble. Okay, fine. They basically Pringle are, though. Man. Your normal, your normal layperson would call it a crisp. Just on the street while they were building a building. Yeah, well, they're they'd wrong. They'd say, it's not oh, a crisp. can you pass me a crisp? No, they'd go, can you and pass you me go, some oh, Pringles? Oh, it's not a crisp, it's a salt, it's a snack. They'd the say, would, uh, can you pass yeah, me right. some Pringles, wouldn't they? They wouldn't say, pass us a crisp. All right. Good point. Okay, what's my next one? Uh, and you also said that I only ever eat two things. Tonics caramel wafers <laughs> and Walker's ready salted crisps. That was wrong. Oh shit! Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, that it's was just yeah. I meant salt and vinegar. Salt yeah. and vinegar. Sorry. Not ready salted. Sorry. Sorry. Numbskull. That was just yeah. Sorry. I mean, if there's only ready. They wouldn't salted, have known that was an error though. They wouldn't have known that. Well, I, I, I knew it was. An error. <laughs> so that's all that matters. If they're already salted in, I'll put vinegar on them. So really, yeah, it's an interesting practice. So I mean, you got that one wrong. So I think Paul, okay, you owe the listeners another apology for that feature. No, I don't. Well, okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll apologise to the listeners for um, getting that what Pringles are wrong. Sorry, listeners, that I thought Pringles were a crisp. Sorry, I know you were all worried about that. You're all going, oh, that. Oh, I, oh did you, Brenda? Did you see that P Paul called Pringles crisps on the Crass Podcast? Can you, they're actually a savoury snack. Could you believe that? I bet they're all thinking that. And I apologise to you, George, for misrepresenting uh, your favourite crisp snack. It's fine. I just don't think that was sincere enough. But it's as good. Well, as no, we're sorry, get out it wasn't you, very sincere. So... <laughs> I thought, right, next week I'm going to get some of your errors. <laughs> <laughs> See how you like that? 
Right. So, George, yes. um, a couple of podcasts back. Um, which one was it? Was it? I think it may have been seventeen. Maybe which was it? Theatre and which is the one where I did my? Um, well, don't get it wrong because if you my... get it wrong, I can just do this next week about how you got it wrong. So make sure you get it right. Okay, well, I don't need to say the specific one, but it was the one where it was the it was it was during the brilliant conclusion to my eBay adventures, which you poo pooed. Yeah, because it wasn't a proper eBay adventures. Yeah. Oh, Paul, your, your eBay adventures is shit. You're an idiot. You're a stupid moron. And I don't know if you remember, George, but during um, that segment, you said this. What you did, The whole point of the sniper thing is to do it <sighs> with like three seconds left, so no oh. one else has a chance. So what you do is oh. you let any anyone who bids for something on eBay, yeah. like way in advance, they're kind of setting themselves up for a for a fool. Sorry, what was that, George? They're kind of setting themselves up for a for a fool. Oh right, they're setting themselves up for a fool. I see. They're setting themselves up for a fool. They're kind of setting themselves up for a for a fool. They're kind of setting themselves up for a for a fool. George, I think you should explain yourself. Cause, cause that's not a real saying, is it, George? <laughs> setting themselves up for a fool. <laughs> it's fool. Do you know the real fool is here, George? It's you. You're the fool. Crash correction. Corrected! Setting yourself up for a fool is a is also a turn of phrase. It's not a turn of phrase. It is. I'm going to Google it then. You, well, you're setting yourself up as a fool. You're, you're putting yourself in a position where... You are going to end up looking like an idiot at the end of it, so it is a phrase. There are no, George. There's no mention. There's nothing on the internet about that being a phrase. Setting yourself up for a fool. There is nothing on the internet about this. Well, it, yeah. In your head, mate, you can't just decide that it's a feat. No, it is a phrase. It's not a phrase. You can't invent a phrase. It's not a phrase. Listeners, email in. Tell us if it's a phrase. It's not a phrase. Don't bother emailing in. Right. I couldn't find any uh, reference to the word jost, meaning died. <laughs> someone's jost it, someone's died. But it, it, but it's a phrase, it's a colloquialism, it is used. Jost it, if I Google that. Well, I, I didn't find anything, but... Uh, setting yourself it's got up like for other, a it's fool... It's got other internet terms, hasn't it, jost? Setting yourself up for a fool... Is a phrase. It's not a it phrase. It is a so fucking you've, phrase. You've, of course you've it is. mangled a re- another phrase to invent one of your own. Setting yourself up for a fool is a phrase. Setting yourself up for a fool is not. It's I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not setting yourself up for a fool is a phrase. I know that is a phrase. Setting yourself up for a fool is also a phrase. It's I've not used a phrase. it. I've heard it used loads of times. You've misheard someone say setting yourself up for a fool. I've not misheard someone say. 
It is a phrase. It's not a phrase. It is a phrase. It's not. It is. It's, northern, <laughs> it's a northern phrase. Oh, right. Okay. We'll get it. It's a northern phrase then. It Fine. is. No, it is. Fine. Okay. Yeah, I believe you. Right, Paul. Full steam ahead. It's the Crash Channel Ferry. <laughs> Fantastic. Lovely. <laughs> I always look forward to hearing those. <laughs> yes, listeners, it's time for uh, the Crash Channel Ferry again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so this week... Yes. Well, if you couldn't tell from the, the um, brilliant jingle, our theme was um, Coronation Street 50 years from now. Yes. So we were supposed to imagine what Coronation Street will be like in 50 years, basically, in the year 2068. <laughs> sums it up, does it? Yeah, it sums it up. <laughs> Would you like to go first? Sure, yeah, sure, why not? Okay, Coronation Street 2068. Still called Coronation Street, obviously. Yeah. Um, I've written a kind of just a small document, really, that sort of sums it all up, so I'll just read straight from that. Coronation Street 2068, the state of the series. Nothing much has changed in Coronation Street, Putney. The street has survived so much. The UK departing the European Union and the massive war what happened right after between the North and the South. It's been 50 years and the residents of the street are finally feeling the benefits. Bethany Platt has got a passport and it's the same shade of blue as her semi-robotic limbs that Dev made for her before he died in a toilet accident. Also, the entire street worships the bomb hidden under the rovers. <laughs> Right, a few old characters who are still going to be in the show. Uh, Bethany Platt uh, will fill much the same role as her grandmother Gail does now, a constant fixture of the series, welcoming new characters and then inevitably outliving them. She doesn't do anything but react to the crazy escapades of her children, which are more extreme than ever, what with it being the future and everyone has guns, and make profound speeches when there's some big storyline, e.g. Chesney getting run over by a tank. <laughs> 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 Uh, Steve McDonald is now 93 years old and he won't leave the series. He still works at the taxi firm Streetcars with his old mate Lloyd, played by the severed head of Craig Charles in a massive jar. <laughs> he's, still, he's still pining over his XXX girlfriend Michelle, but knows he can't be with her now that she's reformed hearsay. <laughs> and, obviously, uh, <laughs> and obviously Ken Barlow. Now a reanimated corpse who lives below the rovers. He takes care of the bomb upon which he has painted the face of his late wife, Deirdre Rashid. He no longer says anything apart from his own name in a guttural voice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some new characters, obviously, because I mean, in 50 years they're going to introduce some new characters. Alpha Centauri is a big one-eyed alien who gets into various scrapes on the street. He runs the corner shop and is in an on-again, off-again relationship with Stavros Barlow. He shits out of his hands. The baldy slaphead Phil Mitchell is now a regular member of the Coronation Street cast ever since the BBC went under and ITV bought the rights to all their original shows and characters. He's still played by the 109-year-old Steve McFadden <laughs> and mostly just wanders around the street grumbling and pissing his tiny trousers. Some other BBC characters who are now Corrie residents include Charlie from Casualty, Mrs. Brown from Mrs. Brown's Boys and Poldark. And finally, 
Bongo the Clown. He's... <laughs> bon- finally, Bongo the Clown. He's a clown who lives in the town. <laughs> Um, story storylines haven't thought of them yet so that's the end of my pitch for Coronation Street 2050 at 68 sorry George uh, your turn to pitch so uh, Coronation Street 2068 here's the premise Okay. The Fredbots have taken over the north with their headquarters <laughs> established in Weatherfield. For the inhabitants of Coronation Street, life continues for the most part as normal. Only every now and then someone gets killed. Dennis Duckworth, yeah. an inventor, is determined to bring down the Fredbot regime at any cost. <laughs> what would you say if I said, let's have a clip? Oh, fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh, this is next level stuff. That's better, I say, that's better. Bit of peace and quiet. Fredbot 214, I say, Fredbot 214, do you read me? Loud and clear, I read you loud and clear. Fredbot 214, report to Rovers as soon as. I say, report to Rovers. Over and out, I say, over and out. Activate portal. Like I said, I'm the landlady of this pub and I was hosting a private birthday party for my friend Rita, isn't that right? That's right. See, they have no right to call you. Right, now let's hear your side of the story. This is my pub and I did not give permission for a private party. Well, I don't need your permission. Well, you do, because it's my pub. Ah, Fredbot 214, I need your assistance with this domestic. I say this domestic, I need your assistance. Always happy to help out, I say always happy to help out. I really don't think we need to waste any more of your time. See, I've hardly committed a crime. That's up for us to decide. I say, that's, that's up, up for us, us to decide. decide. Fredbot 214, what do you reckon we should do? I say, what do you reckon? Best course of action is close pub for night. I say, evacuate pub. Oh, well, I'd quite like to finish this first, if you don't mind. You can wait to get out of here a second ago. You're going nowhere. I say, you're going nowhere. Don't waste my time like this again. We're really sorry, officer. You should be. I say you should be. Well, well done. You've made your point. Don't get sarcastic with me. Right, I think we should take this in the back room. Let's just glue that bit there. Right. Everything should be sorted. Carry on doing what you're doing. Show them you've got principle. Cheers, Gran. Oh, by the way, is me tea in the oven? No, I can't feed you. What kind of a process is that? Shh, keep it quiet, Gran. I don't want the Fredbots to find out, do I? You're making a stand away. I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm really, I'm really chuffed you're proud of me, Gran. But yeah, keep it stun, will you? Now, like I say, I'm going to bingo, and then I might go for a drink after. Don't do all daft while I'm gone, will you? 
Because the longer you sit it out, the less power they have. You stay there, love, because you've got more staying power than them. <laughs> I love you. Hey, I better hurry up. I'm gonna miss first house of bingo. <laughs> All right, see ya. Hey, Uncle Fred. There's a fella up on that roof over there. Which roof? I say, which roof? That one there. Looks like Dennis Duckworth. Right, I'll have a word. I say, I'll have a word. Right, there we go. Sorted. Oh, crap. What you doing up there? I say, what you doing up there? I'm, ju I'm just fixing the aerial. Do you know the aerial's been playing up? The telly's been rubbish. Is that all you've been doing? I say, is that all you've been doing? Honestly, that's it. That's all I've been doing. I'm not trying to bring down the Fred bots. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to get good reception on Holby City. Can you trust him, Uncle Fred? I'm just checking his record now. I say, I'm just checking his record. Honestly, there's no need for that. It's not like I'm leading the resistance or anything. <laughs> Subject, Dennis Duckworth, inventor. Notes, revived his long-dead grandparents, Jack and Vera Duckworth. A fine and young, upstanding member of the community. I say fine and upstanding. Well, if that's everything, I'll be getting back inside now. All right, cheers. Laming wazzock. Right, let's get on our way. I say let's get on our way. Uncle Fred, Uncle Fred, can you take me to the sweet shop? No, no, I'll take to Elliot Butchers. I say Elliot's Butchers. We'll have the best bit of beef in Weatherfield. Right, now the antenna's up and running. Let's give it a go. This is Dennis Duckworth of Number 9 Coronation Street, Weatherfield. I am sending this distress call to anybody out there in the galaxy who can receive it. <laughs> Damn. Well, okay, well, George, I think you've won that one. <laughs> what do you That's the best with? thing that will ever be on this podcast. <laughs> do you have any questions about the oh, show? No, no, I think that illustrated it pretty much perfectly. <laughs> oh, you're, not, you're not, I think, you know, you're not that bad. You should be in the real Cory, I think. You know Being what? Being pretty good in the real Cory. Speaking of uh, correspondence, oh, we've had another email. Oh, brilliant! Okay, the subject: never again. Oh, dear Crass Podcast, I don't okay. know how you got my number, and frankly, I do not care. I will never ah. contact yourselves or your podcast again. Please ensure you do the same for me, or I will be forced to take legal action. Yours sincerely, oh. and then a name. Okay. They've used the name right. this time, so they mean business. Okay. Um, right, I think I know what this is about, George. Um, well, yeah, you I should. I don't want you to overreact. don't need to overreact, but uh, you remember that listener. Who, yeah. is the, I'm presuming that's the same listener who emailed in a few weeks ago. Yes. Okay, yeah, I don't you know, I presume. Um, well, do you remember I said my uncle was a private dick? Yeah. Is he a sex machine to all the chicks? Of course. Well, I managed to get him to get this guy's phone number. His name's Dan, by the way, this guy. His name's Dan. I'm not afraid of putting it out there. I do say it. Anyway, uh, so I gave him a ring to try and get him to sort of, you know, explain himself. 
Uh, and this is what happened. Hello? Hi, is this Dan? Uh, speaking. Yeah, this is, uh, this is Paul from the Crass Podcast. Oh. Um, oh, hello. Hi. Yeah, so, I mean, I think you can guess why I'm ringing. Uh, yeah. I really, I just want you to explain yourself. Really, because those emails you sent, they really upset me. Okay, I don't know if you heard, but I was livid. Yeah, I, um... So what's your explanation? Um, I'm really sorry about that. I know it's, there's no excuse for the, the things I said. It's, I was going through a really rough time. I mean, um, I, I did try and email in, obviously, but uh, I, I totally understand that you, uh, you're busy, you've got other things going on, so it might have fallen through the cracks, but... Uh, I, I recently over, overcame an addiction to, to alcohol and to... Oh, you got an addiction just, to alcohol? Yes. That's fair enough. I mean... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry I sent you those emails. I'm sorry I've got an addiction. That's what you... That's you, that is. Exp- I've got an addiction. Twat. I'm very sorry, sir. Do you want to... Right, no, I just... I don't accept your apology. Do it better. Do a better apology. Do a better, do a, do a better apology. Yeah, do it better. How, do, how does one do a, a better apology? How does one do I a better apology? Just, I don't get it, I don't get it. What is it about me that you don't like? What is it? I'm, I'm sorry, I, you know, let those things get out. No, 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 I'm asking you, a, look, listen to me. I'm asking you a question here, mate, Dan, Dan, idiot, stupid name. Dan, what, what is it you dislike about me? What is it you hate about me so much you had to email in? I mean, you just set yourself up for a fool a lot. Oh, fuck I mean, off, mate. See, that's not a saying. That is not a saying. It, it's very much a saying. It's not a saying. Um, you fucking twat. Um, what is it? Why, why, why do you like George so much? Have you heard his voice? He's an idiot. I mean, that's... That's just unnecessary. I mean, I mean yeah. he, he puts in a lot of effort. He oh, makes all the jingles. Yeah, but... Behind the scenes and you, I could do you that. I'm not I'm not trying to be hurtful to him. I mean, I just... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be hurtful. You've set him... Do you know what? You've, this is your fault. You've put me... You've set me up against him. This is, it's you who's done this. I mean, I... I mean, I, I could do the jingle. I could do the jingles. I could do the jingles just as well. You heard my lyrics to me, th- the theme song. They were great. Just as good as anything George comes up with. I, I, I'm afraid I disagree. Oh, fuck off then. Fuck. I hope, do you know what? You got you. I hope you die. Okay, you know what? I was I was trying to be nice. I was trying to apologise, but those kind of threats, those kind. Oh of yeah, yeah. Go on. Line, go on. Run away. Run away. Oh, he's running away, listeners. He's running away. <laughs> ha! I won. <sighs> so. I mean, I mean, you can see he kind of he was totally unreasonable, George. He was completely unreasonable. Oh yeah, he was unreasonable. Yeah. I went in. I went in positively, just looking for an explanation, and he totally fucked me over. I can't. This is on, but right. I. I... This is going to take some time for me to process. So, just let's continue with the podcast and. You will be bollocked off air later. Right. Right. Okay.
I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and George. A, a, apology. Make an apology now to Dan. Oh, sorry, Dan. Louder. Sorry, Dan. And on behalf of Paul and the Crass Podcast, I also apologise, Dan. You're just enjoying the show. You don't deserve uh, that kind of harassment. And trust me, he will be disciplined after the show. Ooh, Doctor. <laughs> Season yeah. finale of Crass. So I thought I would uh, whip out a, another chapter of my autobiography. Paul Austin, Life Lessons from an Expert. Actually, I'm going to get a glass of water. <laughs> Be back in a sec. Okay. Right. Okay. Paul Austin. Life Lessons from an Expert. Chapter 201, The Worst Day of My Life. The day I graduated from Manchester Metropolitan University was, without a doubt, the worst day of my life. My time at the institution had been mostly positive, aside from a few incidents involving Tommy Norton, a right dickhead who I hated. See Chapter 157, The Cunt, and Chapter 170, The Cunt Rides Again. And at first, I was brimming with excitement for the graduation due. In my mind, it would be a day full of joy and hope, of love and warm reminiscence and anticipation for a bright future. It was then that I realised my parents would want to come too. Any high hopes I had for the ceremony went down the shitter. At this point, my parents weren't getting along very well, and they had their fair share of marriage woes. The previous summer, my mum had caught my dad sending photos of his penis to an owl sanctuary. She confronted him, and in the ensuing fight, my dad lost the use of his anus. <laughs> this left them both extremely fucked off, and their relationship was fractious from then on. I was terrified they might divorce, and I was almost certain that a long, tedious graduation ceremony might push them over the edge. Despite my fears, I told them about the ceremony, and they both seemed extremely keen to attend. Fuck, I thought in my mind. The day came, a roasting hot day in July, Roasting fucking hot, and I was dressed in graduation robes. Bloody typical. See what I mean when I call it the worst day of my life? Well, just wait, dear reader. It gets fucking worse. The graduation ceremony was held in a massive hall-type building on the outskirts of Manchester. It was next door to a sewage treatment plant and a carpet right. I didn't even know they still had those. Me and my fellow students gathered in the foyer, along with all our parents and guardians, who hovered around us like flies around a load of other flies. My parents were going on and on about where they'd need to sit during the actual ceremony and their whinging about having to sit next to each other grabbed some unwanted attention from Noddy Hopkins, another student who seemed to believe he was a modern-day Descartes, except he was actually a part-time painter and decorator and he looked more like Jimmy Nail. <laughs> he, wandered over, <laughs> he wandered over and my heart sank when I noticed that his graduation robes had a doobie stuck to them. Hello! What's your name? Are you one of Paul's little friends? My mum said, regarding Noddy Hopkins with attention he certainly didn't deserve. Noddy said nothing in return. He just closed his eyes and his head lolled in a way that might have resembled a nod if you'd never seen anybody nod before. 
Oh, say, young man, are you a film student too? My dad said, continuing with the frankly pointless crusade to get Noddy Hopkins to say something. Noddy opened his mouth, and for a moment I was terrified he might throw up. In the end, he just threw up words. Fucking uh, imagine if, like, there was a big fucking tree, and on one fucking branch there was, like, fucking heaven, and fucking then on the other side, like, there was fucking hell. Which one, right, would be fucking heavier? Then he wandered off, still muttering faux spiritual nonsense to himself. <laughs> Not one minute later, George Walsh wandered over. For more details on him, see chapter 101, The Truth. <laughs> he turned to my parents and in what was meant to be a cheerful tone said, Hey up, here there Paul's mum and dad, grand to meet there. <laughs> my dad Amazing. looked suddenly furious. And I then remember it was only then that I remembered his hatred for Northerners, brought on by a stint in the Royal Exchange Theatre, where he dealt primarily with the needs of Liam Gallagher during his turn as Vladimir in Waiting for Godot. <laughs> Who's this dickhead, Paul? He said, blood pouring from his nose and ass. George looked offended and walked away, muttering something like <laughs> I can't remember what voice I did. Midlands twats, I wish they'd all jump here from tip bus. <laughs> I quickly forgot George when I spotted Kim Marsh no, not that one on the other side of the room she had lips that seemed to sizzle like egg on a hot wall and absolutely <laughs> massive baps I wouldn't say that I was in love with Kim Marsh because there's a chance she might be reading or listening to this right now and I don't want her thinking there's some unrequited love thing because there isn't I just like you as a friend, okay so yeah, all, all I'll say is I was really keen to talk to you her, really keen to talk to her but before I could strut over, all the students were beckoned into the main hall. Fucking typical, I thought. But who knows? Maybe I'll be sat next to her. Result! <laughs> it turned out that I wasn't allowed to sit there. It turned out that I wasn't allowed to sit next to her. And I was instead sandwiched between a big fat twat that myself and George nicknamed Dada. It's an in-joke. It would take way too long to explain here. And his stupid mate, who myself and George had nicknamed Dada's scarf mate because he was Dada's mate and he wore a scarf. The ceremony was really, really boring. Everyone went up on stage, got handed a fake diploma and shook hands with Peter Mandelson. I didn't know who Peter Mandelson was, but he looked like a cunt. Afterwards, we filed out and pretended we were all mates. <laughs> Parents took photos with us, all huddled together like a rugby team, and every one of us hated every second. I looked around desperately for some sign of Kim Marsh, but all I could see was a sea of moron students, all dressed in the same stupid robes. It made me think of that bit in the Animal Farm movie where the pigs have got jackets on. And then I saw her across the room, and she smiled at me. My heart skip, skip, skip to beat. Not because I'm in love with her, but because I really like her as a friend. I was just about to swagger over, but I was stopped again, this time by my idiot parents. Paul, can we talk outside for a minute? My mum said, in an uncharacteristically gentle way. I rolled my eyes. Ugh, fine, yes, ugh. We exited the hall-like building and stood together in the disabled parking zone. My dad gulped and then spoke in a strangely cracked voice. Paul, son, we're really proud of how you've grown up. Oh, sorry, that's northern, isn't it? <laughs> Paul, son, we're really, we're, really, we're really proud of how you've grown up. Get to the point, you old twat, I reposted, ever the witty chap. 
you're a man now, so we think it's only right that we be honest with you. My dad choked, and my mum took over the talking duties. Me and your father, we decided to get a divorce. I couldn't believe it. When? I said. <laughs> well, she replied, eight years ago. <laughs> Ten minutes later, I was sat on my own outside carpet right. My head was filled with thoughts, but there were so many and they were so complex that it would take me ages to write them all down, so I won't bother. Needless to say, I was fucked off. Surely, I thought, surely things can't get any worse. <laughs> ah, Gandhi, it's Paul Austin. Can he tits? How's graduation, Gannon? Fucking Tommy Norton emerged from the carpet right and sat down next to me. Oh, I'm having a right shitter, Tommy. Why don't you just go and have fun and leave me in peace? Well, I saw it near that bit. Tell you what might cheer you up, lad. Bit of gossip. Oh, yeah, I said, genuinely curious. What gossip? You know that, Tom? You know that Noddy Hopkins? Yeah. And you know that Kim Marsh? Yes. The pork to the root back of the Asda! It was definitely the worst day of my life. <laughs> Thus concludes this chapter of my autobiography. <laughs> So those were the bits that we did last year. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's 20, 22 episodes, that is. 22 episodes. Well, no, it's is not. That... It is. In, the, what, in what, what everyone's no. just heard is not from 22. It's only oh, from, yeah. like, 11. No, what I mean is, we, oh, we've over done, two years, no. yeah. over two years we did 22 episodes. Yeah. Well, no, That's 23, because we did one last week. Oh, okay, that does count. 24, if you include the one that went out uh, two days ago. So so we've done 24 episodes. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.